Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Hovenez, the CEO at Pixar, and we discuss how Pixar is using AI to give people the power of creativity, why you should always double down on your differentiators, and how to keep excited by setting goals that will keep you energized for the long term. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Hello. Hello, hi. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How about you? Amazing. I love the background. You got a nice backdrop there. San Francisco. Oh, it's San Francisco. It's beautiful. Yeah. Did you paint that picture behind you? No, unfortunately, no. <laughs> it's, it's not even the eye. Yeah, I wish I can draw that paint like this. My wife started painting and uh, I had her paint me like a picture of the universe and hung it up in like my man cave. Uh, she, did she start during the pandemic? No, but she started about like five or six years ago. And but then in the pandemic, she actually got furloughed and started uh, decided to refinish our cabinets and then posted about it online. And then she uh, ran some ads and started doing cabinets for other people. And now she's making more money redoing cabinets and she's booked up for months. And I think it's, it's a funny connection too, actually, because when she was doing the before and after uh, uh -huh. pictures, she was using PixArt to, to do the image editing. And that's how I found out about it. And then I heard you were going to be on the show. I'm like, this is amazing. This is so cool. <laughs> you see? So I know many people start, you know, doing more art during the pandemic, you know, because either they have uh, nothing better to do. And actually, that's something they always was to do, but never have time. And now they have time they can do the, you know, so they're really enjoying. And also, I mean, there's another component of that. It's a, it's a great stress relief. You know, people are really fighting anxiety and stress to, to art. We're definitely seeing this as a trend. I agree. I took up piano training like there's an app called simply piano and i started you it starts you as if you know nothing about the piano and then it walks you through slowly and i started that and what i found is you're exactly right it helps like reduce anxiety when you can sit down and just kind of let stuff flow like you know without sounding too weird like let the universe kind of like flow through you uh it's yeah. a it's it's a pretty exciting thing why did you decide art like how did you come up with this app Right, I think this is a question was you know maybe ask it asked already like hundred times and you know maybe it's like uh, you know let me you know uh, tell a story. It started because of my daughter. Exactly my fifth company. So when I was selling my previous company, I find my daughter crying and she was ten years old and she wanted to you know she actually posted one of her you know art uh, works to one of the social networks and get, you know, very bad comments. And she was very discouraged to continue. She kind of, you know, was questioning if I'm capable to do these drawings. And she loved to do that. So, you know, as a father and an entrepreneur, uh, I mean, I did the best of what I can do. I created a company for that. So, <laughs> so, so you know, I thought to help, you know, people like her uh, to be creative and be in a positive environment. Yeah, people can share, collaborate, and create. 
So that, so that was a, my you know, prime motivation. And ultimately, I became also one of these users. I, it actually reminds me, you know, my situation when I was, I was 14, I actually didn't get to the art school because I failed on the exam, on edge exams. And, and actually, because I couldn't draw ways the way they wanted. So I was disqualified for the, for the art school. And uh, so and I, so that's kind of things which, you know, I, I, I don't want my daughter to be discouraged. So that's, uh, that was the, one of my personal motivations for this company. And I succeeded. Uh, and she just graduated in you know, a California College of the Arts. She's a professional illustrator now. And she just joined Pixar. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, she's working now for Pixar. That's such a cool story. And it, it kind of reminds me of like little Steve Jobs, how he made the, you know, the uh, iPod for his daughter. Right. Yeah. He's like, you're not going to have to walk around with that cassette anymore or all of those tapes. I'm going to make you something I could hold a thousand songs. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the best when you, you know, you're solving your own problem or your, your daughter or, you know, your children's problem. I mean, that's the best uh, problem. That's the usually the best product to build. Yeah. That perspective of, entrepreneurs are essentially just solving problems that they care about and then the company forms around it that changed my mindset i used to have a poor mindset where i would say i'd kind of be upset i was like look at the wealthy people like why do they have more and then as i gained you know that was when i was much younger um because i grew up poor and then as i gained a better understanding of you know starting businesses and trying and failing and learning I got a more mature view of how the marketplace and how the world works. And it's really just now when I see someone with like a Lamborghini or, or some symbol of wealth, I'm like, I'm so interested in what they're doing because what they are doing is so valuable that people are giving them money for whatever problem they're solving. And so now I just become curious and interested in it. Right, right. Yeah, me too. I mean, as I was, you know, was in a middle-income family. But then I went through several crises in, in the country where I, I was, where I was born, in Armenia. And we have several crises, and we basically get to the old level of where we are like very poor and then have nothing to, you know. It was a, you know, the, this was, the whole country was suffering the, the blockades and all the crises after the collapse of the Soviet Union. So you know, I, you know, I've been through this, and actually, this kind of kind of background is really like giving you more strengths to, to build a business. Yeah. Yeah, if you've been in a survival you know, situation in your life, then you are better prepared for a business because business is mostly the survival game, right? So you should survive multiple crises in a survival competition and then the one who survived uh, typically is the one who won. Uh, yeah, like when, when I was thinking, when I started my first business and I was like, wow, this is so difficult, but it's not as difficult as when I get hit by a car and I was in a wheelchair for a year and then I had to go through rehab and learn how to walk again and then all of that. And then you know, when you put it and frame it in that perspective, it's like, okay, the worst day ever being an entrepreneur is not as bad as that. Right. And, you know, people really underestimate that, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a job. You need to build the skills. You need to have an experience. 
But at the end of the day, it's not a rocket science. You know, everybody can do that with the patience and, you know, and uh, ever, if you ever, if you are resilient and you are you, you know, able to tolerate stress and uh, you learn on your mistakes, and, you know, everybody can do that. But it's hard. It's not easy. And so you need to go through this and you need to learn. And, it, and then you understand this is a part of the job. I mean, to be under stress and, and, and you know, keep iterating and keep adding more, you know, to your company, your, your, your product. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process. And I should, it's not happening overnight. There's, you know, every overnight success was built over 10 years or more. Oh, 100%. I, I completely agree. Oh, so like, what did you learn as the company grew from like 10 to 350 people? Actually more, we have over 500 now. Yeah. And I know I've been, you know, I've been an engineer with my early first startup. Uh, I've been, you know, doing my, you know, own coding of the, of my first product. So that's, that's kind of like a very important skills. I think, and I, my advice to every, you know, starting entrepreneurial people which considering into entrepreneurship to really like have a hands-on experience with the, with the coding. That's a very liberating feel when you can code your own product and, you know, build that without, you know, paying to someone else or, you know, explaining what you want. You can, you know, yeah, yeah we have power to, to make your own product by, by your fingers and your brain. So uh, that, I think that was super important for me, for my career to have a, to, to, to be able to call them, you know, you know, develop my first product myself without asking someone or asking permission or asking investment. And, you know, so, you know, my, also my, my, even before my first company, I was a, you know, a PhD student and I was actually working on AI in the early night in the nineties when AI was a kind of like an, a, like a, and a funny science that nobody really thinks that it would become a, a useful anytime soon. Uh, so, you know, we are trying to teach computers to play chess. And uh, of course we failed. I think we were too early. Uh, my, the, my, my computer was, you know, the size of three, three bedroom apartments, but probably has less memory my, than my refrigerator today. <laughs> I love it. I like the refrigerator one versus cell phone. That's good. Yeah, I mean, cell phone is like will be superpower. I mean, what you you know? Are you kidding? You know, super iPhone will be like a unbelievably powerful in a computer for us. Yeah, like an alien technology if we had right. it. It's a, yeah, yeah. We were using even punch cards for for entering data into into the, into the machine. So uh, you know, punch cards, not even like a like a monitors. So did you learn, did you learn programming for this or did you, were you in technology? You said you, uh, this is your fifth company. Right. What was your first couple companies? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm engineer, software engineer by, by education. And then I was startup since 97 and, you know, sold my companies to, you know, multi, you know, five, four times before Pixar. Uh, sell to you know Lycos, for example, if you remember this company, mm-hmm. uh, internet search company. I sold one of my companies to Lycos. The one before Pixar, I saw was sold to GFI TVR. That's uh, the TVR is now one of the biggest you know IPOs in in Europe. So yeah, I mean the the you know the sold several companies, but 
they were mostly on our B2B and one on B2C space, but most of B2B. So I really like work I was doing with more cloud services, SaaS companies before before Pixar. And Pixar, as I said, stopped because of the the personal story. And and also like I was always like you know excited about the mobile and uh, want to do something and on mobile. So that's, so that's what's kind of like get together and you know it's created kind of strong motivation and also we have built a good good technology and we have a good team so it's all together just we we, we end up with pixar and we were growing very fast since 2012. through the process of selling your previous companies what sort of takeaways or points of interest do you have like if you were if you were talking with another entrepreneur who's going through you know or considering selling their company what sort of advice would you give them? Yeah, I, I never plan anything with the exit in mind. You know, when I'm, you know, starting something, I'm really thinking about, you know, to build the best product, first of all. And not thinking about, you know, how I'm going to make, you know, money on exit or how I'm going to exit the, from this startup. Uh, I think that's that's my approach. I mean, you know, Understand if you are really solving the right problem uh, and and focus that on that one. And if you can find some unfair advantages on, on doing that, it's even better. You know, and unfair advantages means either, either you know something nobody knows or none of your competitors knows or you, you know the way you can sell it better than your competition or you can build the technology better than your competition or you know problems better than your competition. So you need to find an unfair advantage and then build on top of that and make sure you are solving the problem which is big enough. And then that's a kind of, a, you know, that's what would be my recipe for, for success. Yeah. So the, for the beginners, for beginning entrepreneurs, I would say, you know, that's you know, something you should look at that. And you should be, also be very patient about the problems you are solving. It's also important to have a passion. So because you are going to go through multiple you know, uh, cycles of stress, success, failure, or I'll say maybe failure, stress, success. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then multiple times. Uh, so for that reason, you need to be really like, you should be in love with the, 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 the problem you're solving. You should solve for something which you're really you know, excited and you should be excited about the scale of the problems you're solving. So probably it you know, could change you know, an existing model or an existing market, uh, be destructive in this market. So uh, for me, like, for example, like Pixar, I think I always you know, believe that education is so important things to, you know, to change the world. I mean, to educate people and especially give this education and you know, power to people which not have enough you know, economic power to get this education uh, or they're remote or they're poor, et cetera. So giving them opportunity to learn and, and you know, get better jobs and, and get a good education. I think that's what something that really drives me. And uh, Pixar for me became a platform when you know, I give a power of uh, creativity and educate people to create the designs and, and a better editing skills, etc., to like almost like everyone in the world, I mean, can use our product. So 
giving like uh, the power of creativity to you know to to everyone became one of the my drivers for for this company and it's, this this mission resonates well with the whole team and uh, the team of Pixar are also not just you know employers of Pixar but they're also users of Pixar and they also believe in the mission and then they and we have, that's why we get such such a passionate and uh, an energized team so even like you know we are not meeting now in our in our offices we work all around this remote but still have a very good energy even with, with the remote the, the remote work. And because we are, first of all, because we understand our mission and we really love the mission and we really want to get it accomplished. Yeah, I really liked with the application that it, it's got the tools, like the utilities to do what you want to do with manipulating the photos and creating the art but it's also got a community inside of it and an educational component. And I thought that was, was really interesting and really unique. And, you know, the first, I remember the first time I opened up Photoshop, it was like 20 years ago, but I, I was just like, whoa, just, it's just, you're just on a screen, you know, it's just, this is what it is. But in, in your application, you know, I open it up and it's got these like interesting components I haven't seen anywhere else in iOS. It's got some really unique things that you've done. And I don't know if you know this, but I've been a software engineer for 17 years. So I, I really respect it from like an engineering perspective as well. And so I saw this and like how you integrated, like you showed there was these GIFs specifically and the GIF kind of showed the different stages of the photo being edited. And then down below there was like information you could click and go on the steps. And it's like the moment you open it, it's like teaching you how to do the thing you want to do in a very visual, simple way. And I just thought, wow, that's so much work for them to put together. <laughs> like that's so much work on top of building the actual tool. You're building all of this content. And, but then it was cool because it seemed like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't spent an enormous amount of time in there. I just go in there and make the edits and leave usually. But when I was exploring it earlier, it seems like there's a community and like the people in the community will post and share and like that helps teach other people. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. That's absolutely, the, the, and it's done on purpose. I mean, we want people to share, not just pictures. So we invented a new format, we call it replay. It's our, you know, it's our format. It's like our media, a new, new form of media, if you want. When we allow people to share, not only like the final result of the process, but the whole process. So whole design process could be shared and, and, and then everybody can use this process to learn and also replicate. So one of the coolest things, and we actually work on that technology for the last three years. So it was not an easy investment. So, and you can, as an engineer, you can appreciate the work we have done to get the, the, to that level. But it basically it's allowed to share the whole process of the design. And basically think about Pixar is also like a kind of GitHub for, for designers when they're sharing the processes and everybody can use the process and they either replicate or they create their own process. Just they can fork it and they create their own version of the process and they share back again to the community. So this part of, you know, like collaboration. Uh, remember my story about my daughter when I said I want people to be in a, in a positive space when people are sharing and creating and you know, sharing the assets, et cetera. I think that was a you know uh, cornerstone of the of the whole business. It's a kind of like the the, the foundation uh, of our platform to allow people to share and remix, uh, replay, and and uh, collaborate. 
So uh, yeah, as you, you notice, uh, that was exactly right. So we were using this whole process to make the creative process, the design process available to everyone. And it's fun. It's also very entertaining. It's another our key advantage is that it's not like like boring like Photoshop and you like need six months to train it and use it and uh, and then you do to pass a certain certification and all these stuff. No, you can be productive on day one, and it will be fun. It will be entertaining. You you can do it for work or for your personal life, but it still remains fun, and it's it's less boring. So you do it. You know, and you learn more, you start doing more and more, you get more advanced, you become more creative, and then you start doing it for your job, for your business, for uh, for your study, for whatever. Earlier, you were talking about, you know, the concept of, you know, building the best product, solving the problem. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, Bezos and his concept of day one, and we've been applying that to our company or a startup, or less than 15 people. But when you get out of that, like first five people, you really start to, you know, experience this new process and how, how things work on a different level. And for me, what that's meant is that the concept of feeling like day one and always going back to the basics is a very important muscle to develop because your default, or at least my default programming, is to go do something new. And it's like, we solved this problem, let's go do something new. But now I'm saying, okay, let's pretend it's day one. How do we just improve the podcast? So we're building out like a new studio in the room next door. We're improving the quality of our audio. And it's, it's just an interesting thing to un, that I'm learning right now about how our default is to do something new. But if you go back and you double down and act like day one, you get a much better, more refined product. I'm curious, how do you get that culture within your organization as you've grown to be over 500 people? One of the you know, skills I developed or, or one of the habits I developed down the road of doing with so many startups and uh, you know, entrepreneurial job is like always question, are we doing the right thing? So not just you know, ex keep executing um, something you decide like you know, two years ago, but always like every, you know, after you know, maybe couple of times a year questions, are we really working on the right thing? Are we like, where are differentiators? Are we really differentiating ourselves versus our competition? Is it becoming a commodity business or it's a really like a innovation? Uh, where, where is our innovation? Where, we, where we can we be different than, than others? And then a good sense. So this kind of, kind of habit, which I built, uh, you know, it's also like it reflected in our, the way we are working with our management team so we go like off sites a couple of times a year and always question from you know like compared to day one strategy say okay okay what let's think you know blank page what we would do differently i mean are we just investing in the wrong technology or are we investing in wrong features maybe you know we should we should think you know fresh and then you know, reconsider and do that are we having enough innovations in being a company with with 600 people, it's very hard to build innovation because you know, the company, when the company is big, you build an inertia. You build a, it's very hard to cultivate the, the innovation because it's getting get very regulated. It's very process driven. It's a, a data driven. It's a kind of like a revenue driven. So, you know, you start really like prioritizing things which are bringing you more revenue today. Not necessarily it will provide you a competitive edge tomorrow. 
So that's that's kind of inertia is kind of the things which could become a problem for large companies. Uh, so they stop innovating, or they start they still do the research and they feel like they are doing research, but this research kind of stays in their labs and didn't go to the product because there's always a barrier between you know like research and the product. Almost like mission critical things won over non-mission critical things, even it's a it's cool and it's innovative. So that's why you know thinking about you know, mission critical versus non-mission critical, and also focusing on non-mission critical, but innovative differentiators. And thinking about them early, versus like, you know, just focusing all, you know, mission critical projects, but they becoming more like a commodity over time, right? Because, you know, the competition, if you're not innovating, even mission critical stuff, it's starting as, you know, top you know getting you know uh, flattened or start declining yeah and one of your key differentiators is clearly education right like do you see it like that because it feels like it <laughs> right actually yes i mean I, I, also as a company it's a social differentiator i think i'm proud that pixar is a learning organization so i really uh proud of the education and learning is a very important part of our culture well, you know, for example, we have many like internal trainings. So we have a, we have even like our Pixar Academy, which you know uh, we you know uh, providing like free trainings uh, for to students outside of the organizations with the uh, intent to hire later on later later on in, in, in Pixar. So you know we are giving them some free trainings. We free give we provide free internships uh, opportunities. We provide lots of you know. Uh, internal mentorship programs or training programs. So this kind of thing is very kind of like in our DNA. And the same with our platform. Uh, and we have a, a huge amount, we did a huge amount of investments in the producing educational content. So if you look at, if you go to our YouTube page, for example, there you can find you know, lots of tutorials about how to do this and that, how to design this. And, and it's also, you know, became very, you know, popular uh, on YouTube. I mean, if you search Pixar, you will find like, a, you know, uh, maybe a million tutorials about Pixar. You know, the, you, you can see that there, some of the tutorials have like several millions of views. So this is, uh, and all, you know, so this educating people on, on, on how to be creative and how to create and how to design stuff is a very kind of organic to our culture. I was actually just pulling up the YouTube. Oops. <laughs> the audio sounds amazing. It's really high quality on the video that plays when you load your YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, it just scared me a little bit because I got these big headphones on today. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. It woke me up a little bit. Yeah, the, the YouTube channel looks unbelievable. It looks amazing. Everything, see, the thing is, I'm like a huge design geek. Like I'm an engineer by trade, but like I just have a passion for design partly because I could never do it. And then I just kept like trying and I, I, I got to the point where I'm like proficient at it, but I would, I still geek out on dribble.com and stuff, you know, just to see what the best designers in the world are doing. Uh, so I, I have a huge appreciation for it. And it's just so cool because as I interact with all your different content from your website to your YouTube channel, everything looks so unique. Like it just, it just screams like this was created custom. And I, I really like that, uh, that feel. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I mean, we are investing. Actually, you know, because it's just our, we are very much like engineering product driven company. So kind of like, uh, you know, our aesthetics also kind of always like, a, I think we always favor like a functionality uh, and then usability than our aesthetics in a sense. So I, I would try, first of all, to make it very functional, the, all the, you know, the interfaces. And then, you know, usually the all other, the, the, like, aesthetics part is come after, like, uh, after we, we build the things to be functional and useful. And, you know, you can see we, as a product, we went to many iterations. You know, if you are early products were pretty ugly, if you look, you know, from the, the, today's criteria. Um, but then later on, we keep investing in the aesthetics. So, so you know, still, there are places when we I'm not really happy. Uh, I think, especially on our website, we're still you know building up the. the I think we start investing on the web more uh, this year versus mobile. Uh, so that's because one of our key priorities for this year. But in mobile, I think we we have a pretty you know amazing journey from you know starting with very kind of functional engineering design product to designed by professional designers. I also want to jump back a little bit to the Pixar Academy before I got startled by the, by the unexpected audio. Um, for So I, I wanted to just say that I think it's very smart because you know every company has to deal with how they attract talent and some people go internal recruiters or do they do a mix of things. But I have only seen like I, I, I saw one or two other companies do it, but it's been a while. And then when I heard you say, it, I go, whoa, he's doing that move that I really like that I haven't heard of in a long time. And it's so smart by educating people outside your company, you're building the top of funnel for your talent pipeline. It's brilliant. Right. You know, I, you know, I've been professor at the university. So even, you know, when I was doing my companies in previous companies as well, I was, you know, lecturing at the universities, like a, as I invited, you know, a visiting professor. And that was the best recruitment channel for me. So I learned very early, like, you know, 10 years back or maybe even more that, you know, when I'm, you know, teaching uh, and lecturing, I'm not, I'm not teaching anymore. So I have no time. But when I was lecturing at this university, so best students uh, became my best employees and some of them became my co-founders. You know, my two co-founders of Dixat are my former students. So I learned very early that, you know, they're educating, it's, could be not just a charity or 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 a, you know non-profit thing but it could be also very very good for your business you can bring uh, the best talent by just giving this education for free yeah but you can have access to this to this talented people and so since like for many years i'm more than 10 years i'm practicing that to one scale or another scale and we start and you know, building even more skill around that last year uh, so we start actually the 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 positive thing about this COVID situation is that when things are online, it became so much easier to do this online training classes because everybody's online and you don't you are not restricted with the classrooms anymore and the location of people. So we can really recruit students you know, from a larger geography, and and everybody has a, already passed the barrier of being remote. So there's no initial friction of you know starting this remote education. Everybody get adjusted to this remote mode, and now you can really scale and do it like a, on a more global level. And and we are not really restricted with the uh, uh, number of students in the class. 
there's no restriction of, you know, it's like not like 10 or 15 people anymore in a classroom or 20. Uh, it could be 50, which, you know, or you know, several classes of by 50 students and running in the entire no limits. You know, before you need to have like big, big office space to do those kind of things. And they should, all people should be in one place and they should be really like commute to come over and things like that. Now, I mean, things are getting much, much easier. Well, I think it's a brilliant move and I'm a huge fan of that, that business move and I'd love to see it happen more. I am curious to know as a geek, have, have you gotten to use any sort of like machine learning or AI inside of your product or business? Of course, yeah, of course. I mean, the AI is a big part of our engineering or, or science, the R&D part. We have a pretty decent you know, a group of you know, data scientists, AI, you know, AI engineers. I believe we should be, you know, we, should, we have only AI, 40 plus people, four or five PhDs, and working on many, many projects. I think we are running like 20, 30 projects uh, on AI. Many things are already within a product. You know, some some technologies are on a, on a server side, but things you know there are lots of filters which are using AI technology. For example, you know, like all the all filters we have and all the tools we have, they have a segmentation uh, you know opportunity. So you can segment your face, you can segment hair, you can segment you know body, and then you can apply a certain filter only for you on your body or face or or hair. Then we have a technology which allows you to you know, convert your photo to you know a work of art. So we you know applying different you know, styles of you know famous artists uh, on your photo. Even like create a sketch. We have a, you know one of the coolest features we have is like a, we released it almost a week, one year ago. It's still very very popular on on, on Instagram and, and other social networks. When you take your photo and it creates a sketch out of your photo. And you can you know, like even match the sketch and your real photo of in one photography or one, one design. So this uh, this is very cool, and it was used by millions of users every month. So yeah, we have a you know, big part of this, and AI is a kind of you know uh, both differentiator, but also it's enabling you know, a much larger audience to be to become a creative from day one. You know, you don't need to be like a really like, you know, spend like your 10,000 hours of you know, painting to get to that level. I mean, you can, you know, start uh, almost like on day one and, you know, and it, it get, you get more confidence in your, you know, your, in your creativity and then you start doing more and more. And you get the uh, sort of the compounding effect of all the work, the human hours like humanity has put in. Right, because the painting had to come first, and you had all of these artists put all this time into the painting techniques. But then we're using technology to help mimic them and make them easier to apply. And now we're working with this higher level abstraction through this technology. And it's just really interesting to see the, the evolution. I am curious to your thoughts, like when when we talk more about like artificial general intelligence, like the AGI. You know, a lot of people discuss how like creative endeavors will be some of the last things to be automated or i've heard some people some crazy people say <laughs> it's just not possible and i'm like guys just <laughs> impossible plus time equals possible <laughs> right well, absolutely i agree with you i mean i think you know which you know many things we, we, we're thinking impossible and it's possible i would 
you know, I think that the current pandemic was impossible in many people's minds one year ago. Right? Who can believe like the whole world will be like a shutdown for six months, right? And still it so basically you now everything you say is impossible, you know, something happened that makes things possible. The same with AI. I mean, you know, even like, you know, nobody was really expecting the what was the things which are happening today. I, I you know, I was for years, we think like AI is dead and never going to be any practical implementation of AI until last last three or five years. And today, you know, you know, I mean, there the AI is doing an amazing stuff. Nobody really can believe, like, ten years back, that you know you'll be able to, you know, really like, uh, you know, recognize the the word, recognize the speech, and reply. And, uh, and talk with uh, you know, talking with computers in a way you talk with with other, you know other people, if, or if computers will be able to you know recognize faces or they can drive car, right? Uh, who thinks that it was possible, right? It's like ten years back, only like science fiction. But today, I think it's very, 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 very close to have a, a completely autonomous self-driving car. And yeah, so the the barriers of you know to, uh, the, of for for Things which we live are impossible are just getting lower and lower. I mean, the, oh man, I mean, I, I can't even think about what will happen in 20, 30 years from now. So, yeah, I mean, of course, I mean, in, in, the, near, in the foreseeable future, I will not try to, you know, kill the, you know, human's creativity. And, you know, I see it's more like an enhancer of creativity and, uh, and uh, a good assistant of creativity happening on the iPad. A long run, I cannot. I will not be. You know, I will not give any forecast on that. I mean, I believe things which we think are impossible will be possible. I think about that a lot, and right now, my current stance, as much thought of that as I put into it, is that we will definitely coexist. Like we will begin to evolve, like along with it. Like I don't think it'll just be the autonomous AI algorithms like taking over the world. I think that we will continue to use them as tools and be dependent on them, but then they're dependent, you know, on us in some degree, but I definitely see co coexisting as the most likely path forward, or at least the, it's a path that brings me optimism. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe also we will become more smarter, you know, later on. I mean, maybe, you know, uh, we will find the technologies to make our brain even smarter. So who knows? The like Neuralink. So, so, yeah, yeah Neuralink, right, exactly. So, and also, maybe we will become So, I mean, maybe, I mean, we get the machines will be as smart as we are today, but then hopefully we'll be much smarter than we are now. Yes. <laughs> how, how, many, how many people would have to have Neuralink before you got it? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question. I mean, and it's not about just uh, you know risks or whatever. I mean, it's a uh, you know it's a you know it's creating a new identity for me. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's the strangest part. You know, I need to see. I mean, I need to see how it works. And then, are you you know staying yourself or you're just transforming yourself into something different? That is true. And then you have to think about it on like other levels, like as you acquire new skills, you're transforming yourself, right? That's true as well. So it's a really interesting thing to think about, but I, I, I believe that we'll get there in the next 50 years or so. I think that we'll get 
get to that point in the next 50 if we if we we had like we got electricity like 100 105 110 years ago we got electricity like right. and look what we're doing we're beaming light across the world and talking to each other in real time over a video <laughs> okay. this is so cool so let's let's put in our calendar 50 years from now let's have a talk and let's discuss that it will we will both be uploaded into the computer <laughs> able to live forever we'll have the conversation <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So I'm curious to know, uh, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, what is one of the hardest lessons that you've learned? Uh, the hardest lessons, uh, is, uh, you know, never give up. I would say, you know, this is a, something which is really important for entrepreneurs. I mean, the, you know, you, you, you know, it feels like, you know, you're really like, you know, on a, in every of the companies I have, I have a near death experiences in a couple of times. That uh, the period when you think it's like uh, you're done, and uh, because of the crisis or economic situation or losing an important client or or just not getting what you were expecting to get, so in every company you have a situation like that, and uh, oh, and then and uh, in the first times it was very very stressful, like uh, you know not sleeping at nights and getting very. Or ex, uh, anxious and you know depressed and all these things, but then you understand it's a part of the, the game. I mean, if you you sign up for this game, then you need to play it according to the rules. And the rules are you know expect stress, expect things will not go the way you were predicting, and you stay you should stay you know you know calm and you should you still stay, you know need to you shouldn't give up uh, if you really believe in your uh, you know product or skills, then ultimately you won because of the because of that i fully agree actually you know never giving up is is something that i had a lot of learn a lot of experience with right and i had looked back and i said okay you know what and this was probably a few years ago i said you know what in my past like is the recurring trend like what's the thing that i'm doing that i'm not seeing and it was often just giving up too early right? Because I'd have an idea, I start working on it, make some money. And then I'd be like, well, it's not, I'm not super rich. Yeah, it didn't take off. Let's just sell it off. And then do, and so I ended up selling all of these, building these projects, pouring a year or two into them and then selling them, you know, for like 500 to 500,000, like a million dollars. And then just keep, I just kept like doing that over and over. And then I would see other products in that market, like take off and I'd be like, I should have stayed there. And so I said, okay, this time, no matter how many times I feel that way, I'm just, I'm not going to let myself say the words. I'm not going to let myself take the action or send the email or whatever it is. I'm just, I, you can get pushed to the point of wanting to give up, but it's very important to understand the actual moment and what that feels like to give up and then not do it. And for some reason, exactly like you said, even in this venture, which has gotten to the point where it's ca cash flow positive now. So that's like a very exciting step for us. But even this venture, you know, you get to that point and it's like financially, it says it's not going to work. Emotionally, it says it's not going to work. But I know that rule. I know that rule and I know this feeling. I know this feeling will go away. You'll wake up the next day and your emotions will reset. Just don't give up. Like don't quit. Just don't do that one action that you know is, is ending it. And it's like just backing up from the ledge. And, and then somehow it's almost like a test from the universe. Like you're unlocking this combination, this very difficult comment. And somehow one little thing gives and like you, you get 
you get a little bump forward and then something else good happens. And then you just, but then you get close to that ledge so many times you start to gain maturity to understand that like the first thing is I need systems and processes to not get me near this ledge. So I don't repeat these mistakes again. Right. And then you also have to back up and say, things will always go in this pattern of like up and down. And it's important to stay like as centered as possible through the ups and downs. And yeah, those are just some of the things that I've been learning in the past five years. Correct. Oh, absolutely. And you should really love the journey. I mean, you should love the process. You know, it's just a journey. And if you really don't, don't love the journey, then it will be hard to, to, to go, go, go through some of the steps. You know, you should, you should, you should enjoy what you are doing. That's a, that's a you know, number one rule for me. Uh, if I stop, you know, uh, stop getting excited about what I'm doing, then I should start, stop doing that and switch to something else. Because otherwise, you know, I mean, getting all the stresses and all those uh, things uh, and not enjoying the the uh, success and uh, not enjoying the the journey, I think that's a kind of uh, it's too much for one life. And part of the reason I just spoke so much because I usually try not to. <laughs> <laughs> but because I, I really respect you and and what you're what you're accomplishing. And so I'm saying these things and, and sort of just being as open and raw and transparent so that if you see something that I'm saying that's wrong or that like doesn't fit with you, like I, I hope you would like stop me or you know send me an email after or or correct it because it's it's kind of how I calibrate myself, you know? Right. No, absolutely. I will hundred percent agree with you. I mean, I think you know. You said exactly right. I'm with you on that. I mean, it's really like, you know, you should you should stay. Uh, if you believe, you should really, uh, you know, be patient. I mean, that's also the important things. It's not happened to overnight. I mean, that's a net. None of the, you know, none of all the stories. If you you, you know, starting with Edison inventing the uh, the you know the lamp bulb or you know whatever, it takes like thousands of experiments to get there, right? And that's you should keep in mind when you are just thinking like you know it's like a climbing the mountains. I know you should never you, sometimes you don't see the top, and you think you're it's too far. But you you, you can you can give up and go back, but maybe you can still you realize you were very close to the top, and you just give up too early. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of like faith. Faith is an important thing, and I I originally associated it only with religious activities right so for some reason my default association faith was associated directly with religion but then i found out that faith is an independent concept of religion and it's an important it's like a muscle and it has to be exercised yeah yeah right you know so yeah faith or fanatism sometimes you know so so you know it's usually kind of associated with faith or or some other things but you know sometimes you need to be fanatic of your business so when you were talking about it getting excited, I, I'm curious to know, like, when, when you find yourself not excited, like, do you find new ways? Do you adjust your schedule? How, how, do you, how do you handle the transition from you're excited, you realize you're not excited, and then either making adjustments to your schedule or like going off in a completely different direction? Right. I, you know, it's, uh, when, you know, when I excited about that's 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 I think that's a super important thing. I mean, you should really like when you start the business, the, your excitement should be enough to keep you on this business for many years. 
it's not never happened with me when I you know I lost my excitement about the business because of the something happened with during the you know when I was executing on the business. So that's that's what I'm saying. The goal should be big enough and should be exciting enough to keep you excited over the many years. Otherwise, maybe you choose the choose the wrong goal. And that's the thing, you know, you can probably reach any goal you you know, you know if you set the uh, set it for you. So the, the the main wisdom is to find the right goal. You you I mean if you put in a, in a good amount of efforts, you can probably reach any goal in the world, but just choose your goal properly. And that's that means you know that when you're selecting a you know product or business you are going to you know work for next five years, then make sure that it's it's a, it's not uh, it's just not you you didn't just find something you just an idea which just your friend told me and you think it's an interesting idea to work on. But it's really something you truly believe it's an important problem to solve. You're really in love with the with the with the your your, your technology product or solution. And the mission you are working on, it's so big enough, which is it's kind of out of your identity, not just because of the you know your market research. So see my belief of the education is so strong. So it will not go away anyway, you know, any soon, and and you know that's why it just keep me, you know, giving more strengths for me to build the product to educate the world and give them more, you know, uh, way to create and collaborate. I love it. I I like I like how that's a, it's 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 so meaningful at your core. It expresses itself through your business, right? which is so, which is which is just a right. really cool thing. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's what separate. For example, you know, like a, you know, when you truly love someone, you know, it's a something for it's a, it's for life. Not not it's not going to you know, it's not for like another six months, right? And so feel, find something you truly love and it's coming out of your heart, not not necessarily from your brain. Yes, I, I actually heard somebody say it, it stuck with me. I don't remember who said it, but they said, uh, find something you love and let it kill you. And, and the context for that is find something that you love to spend the rest of your time on. Right. Because it's like, you know, what is worth dying for? Right. Like, because you're going, you're pouring your time into this, uh, you know, bucket. Right. It's like, what, what is going to be the result of that at the end? And it's like, okay, these, these principles or these missions are worth my life. And it, that's something that, you know, it really makes me happy. Whoever created this game called life, <laughs> because it definitely gets better as you get older. You, you learn, you learn like what you said earlier about you're playing this game, like you're playing the entrepreneur entrepreneurship game or you know bringing value to others game it's like then you you start to understand the rules and how the game works and then you start to develop some skill at it and then you keep going and you just keep developing more skill and you become a better player and it's interesting all the way down <laughs> yeah, absolutely and that's you know that's if otherwise you really will give up and it, it, you know somebody give you like an organized offer and then you use the first opportunity you get tired of the business you just give up because you didn't believe, you know, it's, you, you start in a, you, know, you start solving wrong or problem where you, you, you start investing in a problem you are not truly love. Yeah, and to get a little weird for a moment, <laughs> uh, the other night I was because you seem like you'd be right up this alley to to explore this idea. I was so I was thinking about like you know time and the universe and life and how long it is. 
until the heat death of the universe, like how long the universe will, will last. And it's a long time. And so like, it makes sense that like, if we're all, if we're all stuck in this giant space, right. That we would have something that would keep our, our attentions going. It's like life almost feels like a game to, to keep things interesting as we go through time. Right. Yeah, it's weird. I'm a weird yeah. person, but <laughs> yeah, right. I think we are moving, you know, like a, a very deep discussion about uh, the meaning of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you have education at your core. I have understanding the meaning of life at mine. It it, it tends to come out in like everything I do. It's just like a these sub processes. I think if I if I lived a long time ago, I'd uh, be like a philosopher or something interesting because I'm just the default some some default programs in my head that run are just like i call it the why program it's always just like what is going on and i and i feel like um you know i think back a little bit like historically if we look back maybe like a thousand years when religion was like the main rule you know around around the world i feel like back then more people were interested in finding out the meaning of life than are now like i i wish i wish we could um and it was best described i i didn't experience this but i i think the feeling was expressed in a movie i saw about the i think it was the apollo mission or the, the first rocket we put into space right mm -hmm. how the whole you know united states and everybody just like gathered together and it was like the thing everybody talked about and we were all working towards one common goal and like everybody's focus was on and you'd go into a gas station and inside of any city in the United States and everybody would be like talking about the rocket and rocket. And like, I wish we could do that with something. I would prefer like understanding the origins of life, but like what, or exploring space farther. But I wish, I wish we had that cohesive goal, that mission, that, that collection. I, I feel like we have all of this human energy and this power and it's not being, channeled and focused the way it could be if we all had this like really big crazy audacious goal you know right right yeah you know you really yeah i mean i agree i mean like years back when you don't have internet you don't have a t you know all this that strong tv broadcasting and all these things you know you have a more time and you know you spend spend more time you know just thinking and talking with your close friends Today, like the whole the, you know, industries of the entertaining and all the other interesting that are fighting for your attention. And actually, though, you end up just, you know, you, you, still, you start paying attention to too many things. And it's you know, taking the attention from things like, you know, you should, what's your true belief, what's your true love, things like that. You keep entertained by the, by the media all the time. And that's, uh, you know, kind of, you know, create a little bit more like superficial approach to the life. Yeah, no, you just sparked a really interesting like thought in my head. So like I saw this graph of like humanity's increase in tools, right? Like you see the tools go up in your abilities, but it's you also see a, a correlation with uh, things vying for your attention or things trying to distract. It's like your distractions go up, but your tools go up. And so the formula there um, is discipline, right? Because if you're disciplined enough to focus, but you also have the tools at your disposal, then you can do really, really, really great things. But you could have all of these tools, no discipline, and you're just on a distraction roller coaster your whole life. Right. And you, you know, if you if you remember, you know, earlier I was told that you know our core differentiator is like to keep fun and 
work at the same place. So we, I think we still believe that being entertained is a very natural human kind of desire, but we want to, you know, to entertaining also give an, you know, a learning. So people not just waste their time being entertained, but they also learn. And that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what I see as our mission, is just to keep training people by entertaining. And, okay, or entertain and teach and educate and give them more new skills, uh, which they can uh, use for, you know, for, for their life. Are you, is your, is Pixar on like the big iPad as well? Yes, I think it's, uh, you know, we are uh, kind of like iPad was a, a slightly low priority for us, but now we are investing more resources on iPad because we see, you know, the race of consumers in Pixar, people which are not doing it for fun, but also doing, doing something for their work and uh, supporting large screens like iPad and now web. I think we are working now on the web and web is, uh, you know, we are expecting to have, you know, major releases later this year on the web and allow people to use the larger screens for their, for their design. I also thought it was interesting because I have small children. So I've got a, a three-year-old girl and, uh, and a one and a half year old son, but the, the three-year-old uh, Aria, she, we, we got her this tablet, I think like a Amazon tablet or something. And they had like a specific kind of like kids one where you could like lock it up well. But whenever I go, whenever I go out and I see, you know, birthday parties or whatever for the kids, uh, it seems like all the kids have these tablets and they don't have like the phones, right? They have these bigger tablets. And one of the things I thought was really interesting is how I think it was Apple put this playground, this like coding playground on the iPad as, as like a default installed app so that the kids, like, I'll give you an example of how my three-year-old uses this. She learned the entire thing in like a couple of weeks. Like it, it, she can't, and it's weird because it's like, oh yeah, your kid's young and they learned it. Yeah, but when you live with the child and they can't put sentences together and they just got potty trained last week, yet before they were potty trained and could put three words together, they were able to play multiple games on the iPad, turn it on, turn it off, switch it, go into the kid's YouTube, change the show when they're not interested in it and do all of that. And they can't even speak to you yet really. And they, they are still in diapers. And that to me is unbelievable. Like the education potential of putting an educational something or another on the iPad and, and getting that like, you know, kids could do art on it. Like there could, there's so many interesting things, but I think it's really interesting when it comes to like long-term education. Cause when I was three, if, if I had a coding playground on an iPad tablet, I would have got, I would have started at three, not eight. <laughs> No, I think, you know, education is one of the areas which needs more destruction uh, and uh, disruption and, you know, and innovation. So education has been very conservative. Maybe, you know, second after, you know, healthcare was, was like maybe the most, the most conservative kind of industries, which, you know, used to serve the same kind of teaching techniques, you know, for years and hundred years and sometimes. So I think now I think they need to, you know, they need to be innovative and people will start earlier and learning things earlier and better way and better methodologies and all these things. And that's what I mean, like maybe 50 years from now will be much smarter than we, than we have today because of the also, you know, change in education, not necessarily all the connections, but also maybe methods of teaching will be different. And I believe our brains is very capable and you know, if it's uh, with the proper training, I think we can probably do more than we can we are doing now. 
I agree. And historically, you take like a, a, a step back, we've been on this on this path of passing information down to the next generation. Like if you look at it like that, from you know the printing press to all of the technologies now we're making it better, easier, and faster for people to get information. Mm -hmm. If you take like in the matrix, right? You could just download it and have all the experience. I don't think that's that's impossible at all. No, I agree. I agree. And you know, and so another hope I have for humanity, and probably that will be the you know, the very nice closing for for this podcast. Is like the you know life expectancy expectations will be much higher. So people, you know, fifty years from now, they live maybe two hundred years. Uh, and they will become much more smarter in the last hundred years of their life. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Let's get people smart and then allow them to live for a long period of time. We have a better life. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been fantastic. I'm a huge fan of the Pixar. Super grateful that you built such an amazing piece of technology. If there's ever anything we can do to help out. We'll put links to people to download the application and the show notes, and we'll push it out you know, through our networks. I'll add you on LinkedIn, and we'll post quick clips. It was an absolute honor to get to meet you and hang out with you today. It was a great pleasure for me, too, uh, you know, and uh, thank you for an interesting conversation. I really enjoyed it, too. So thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you. You, too. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.